0: Hello, I'm Greg. Hello, I'm Greg. Hello, I'm Greg. I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about... Let's that have an inappropriate talk. conversation about... Podcast. Collage of sorts. I've decided to call this episode Podcast Montage. It's going to be a bit of a combination of different shows, programs that I've been on, some that I just enjoy, as I try to pull together and make something of a painting, if you will, of pieces and parts of various podcasts, including there from the intro alone, some elements of past inappropriate conversations. There's really two or three main things I'm hoping to accomplish in this particular episode. One is promotions for Pride 48 events. That's events plural. I'll talk about both the June live streaming event and the uh, August Pride 48 Expo in New Orleans this year. And I also want to play some clips from podcasts which may not be readily available. One of the things that I've done lately and that I've left on the back burner, I need to turn the heat up again, on providing promotional clips via SoundCloud so that there's... A less than full length episode, but a moment in time from past podcasts to give a sense of what that episode was about. I know that there's a blurb for each episode at inappropriateconversations.org, but sometimes it's better to get a hint or a sense of what a show might be about by listening to a piece of it. And that's what I was using SoundCloud to do. But as a user of SoundCloud, on my personal sort of usage, I've kept uh, kind of a list or a directory, if you will, of podcast appearances I've made on other people's shows, and some of those shows not necessarily readily available. So what I've chosen to do here is to pull parts relative to either the concept of a podcast montage or to Pride as an idea and pull them in because I was part of those shows at least as a writer in one case, or as an interviewee in other cases. So I'll be doing that. So that's sort of the podcast element. The Pride element overlaps with that in that some of the conversations are Pride-relevant. And uh, some of these shows that I want to highlight and cast cast a spotlight on are shows from Pride 48. So this episode will include clips from Greetings from Nowhere from the satyr Sphere, uh, a live clip from an interstitial from a past Pride 48 event, in fact, a Pride 48 event that led me to decide that I needed to go to one. And if I'm uh, able to go as planned this year in August, that'll be two of these Pride 48 Expos consecutively. There'll be other moments as well, including all of the promotions for the June live streaming event that have been presented so far. So let me get, begin with a reference to the Pride 48 New Orleans Expo this year 2018 with just some details just a sense of it you'll get a better idea just from the clip show itself of what that audience experience can be like and then I want to kind of do a quick walkthrough from a podcast just a slice of podcast from Greg's perspective and then I want to hit some talk about the upcoming event just a few days away the uh, live streaming online event ...that uh, you can get at Pride48.com or through TuneIn Radio app. But first, just a reminder, in New Orleans, August 24th to uh, August 26th, Friday through Sunday, is the live uh, New Orleans Podcasting Expo from Pride48. Uh, if you go in person, it would be at the Holiday Inn Superdome. I intend to be there. I've already registered. I've got uh, arrangements have been made for travel and hotel. And I don't yet know if I'll be participating in the, uh, at least by putting on a show. Last time, when it was in Las Vegas, I did attend and Walk the Earth debuted there, uh, live in front of an audience for the first time ever. I don't yet know whether Inappropriate Conversations or a return of Walk the Earth is in the cards, it's just too soon to say. But for me, there's an intersection of things that happen which make this interesting. I'd be happy to go, and I will be happy to go, even just to be a member of the audience, to be live and in attendance, perhaps to raise the occasional question, if uh, if the spirit moves me, so to speak. Because Pride 48 is actually that intersection of being an ally and supportive of the GLBTQIA community. While also at the same time being all about podcasting. This morning I was reading through some social media and had to stop and ask myself, am I one of those folks who pushes too many people too hard in a political direction? And I think that probably isn't true. And the reason I think it's probably not true is that when I look at my page, like my Facebook page, for example, or my Twitter feed, uh, I'm a rampant retweeter when it comes to Twitter, and I also share a ton of links to the creative work that other people are doing on my Facebook page. It's not that I don't share political opinions uh, on my personal Facebook wall. Uh, just most of those things end up going in the direction of inappropriate conversations and occasionally tangentially walk the earth where politics and religion intersect in a way that's more about the religion than the politics, perhaps. But podcast shares are probably the the number one most frequent post and if I skip other things personal posts, pictures of the family or events and just kind of run through a recent list of podcasts that have been shared on my facebook page to get a sense of how I'm painting this same picture every day whether I'm podcasting or not I'll go to the point of hitting a repetition and then I'll stop there but odds are just doing that will skip things I don't think there's been a recent enough episode for example of greetings from nowhere I'll catch myself with a shared link from them, but it's possible. Uh, Forgotten Films podcast, The Hustle podcast, Secretly Timid, Pod is My Co pilot, Stuck in the 80s, Treks in Sci Fi, The Smellcast, Chubb's Gone Wild, Big Fatty Online, Men in Blazers, and finally, hitting the point of seeing some repetition, uh, The Last Ovation, coming right after that point of repetition. So, share a great deal. Atomic Trivia War 9000, for example, the Seder sphere. if there's a gap, it's because there's a gap in how often those podcasts release shows, and just the random nature of me picking today and scrolling back in time down a Facebook wall. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, for me, I can almost speak fluently in podcast as a language. I don't mind attempting to do so. I do so personally, and by participating either as a guest on other people's shows, shows I'll share some from today, a tech support rich, for example, or by doing my own podcasts, both inappropriate conversations and walk the earth are persisting and going forward. I'll hit a specific promotion for walk the earth at the end of this episode. In the meantime, though, now seems like a good and appropriate time to shift the discussion in the direction of the pride 48 Live Streaming Weekend. Pride 48. Live Streaming Weekend. This will be Friday, June 22nd through Sunday, June 24th. You can find it at pride48.com. There is a listen button. There's also a chat button. I intend to participate as much as I can in the realm of chat. Opening show is 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday the 22nd. Big Fatty Online follows that with what will probably be the equivalent of three of his 20-minute shows filling that one-hour block, getting that day started. As I jump over to Saturday morning, that begins 10 o'clock in the morning. There are other shows trailing into the night, but Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, the denims, followed by 11 a.m., the Shy Life podcast, and more shows during the day, including some new shows that I don't think were part of last year's event. The Mikey Pod, Gayish, Who Invited Her, The Gay Wasteland, for example. When you get to primetime Saturday night, 7 p.m., It's Pod is by copilot followed by Sarah Talk, one of the serious shows, or more serious shows, that was uh, featured, I think, for the first time in last year's event. And then when you get to 11 p.m. Saturday night, uh, Wild Record Collection is the name of a podcast I'd never heard before. I think it's actually a vidcast that'll be doing a live streaming podcast edition of itself. I'll be fascinated to see what they do with that. And then Sunday morning, the last day of the upcoming weekend, for Pride 48 live streaming event. 1 p.m. The Seder's Fear is the beginning of that followed by several other shows on the way to the 8 p.m. Ding to Bell which is, you know as far, long as I've been listening, that's traditionally the last show of the live streaming weekend followed by the 9 p.m. closing show. So for the month of June, for Pride in a virtual way the podcasts that are featured on the network often, not all of them but many of them Get together to do this. This, for some people, is probably the first time they hear some of these shows. For many of these shows, the first time I heard them was through a June live streaming event. And it just remains to be seen how many of them will be live and in person in New Orleans in the month of August. Dominating. Yeah.
1: Dominating. Right, right. Uh, But we need
0: more.
2: There are people out there who are entering the arena and making their voice heard.
1: It's the Pride 48
3: June. Pride 48.
1: Friday, Saturday,
3: Sunday. June
2: 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Pride 48's
1: 2018 live
3: streaming weekend.
1: All your favorite little shoes. We we have to do it. People are interested in it. After all, you figure lesbians, 1% of the population, homosexuals, 2% of the population. That's all. That's statistically all. But they have dominated, dominated. Get your mark mark and calendars and write it down. Pride 48's live streaming event, Boys. June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Visit pride48.com for the schedule and all the latest information. That's all. That's all.
2: Be ready.
3: Gay Pride was not born out of a need to celebrate being gay, but instead our right to exist without prosecution. So maybe instead of wondering why there isn't a straight pride month or movement, straight, pr- straight people should be thankful that they don't need one. And uh, I thought that was an excellent quote and I shared it and a bunch of people shared it. So if you want to put that on your own page, um, please do so. It's that time again. <laughs> pride 48 live streaming
0: weekend is putting on its good heels and heading our way heels what
1: what do heels have anything to do with it nothing it was a joke it's not very funny listen to all your favorite podcasters streaming live all weekend long
0: at pride48.com and tune in radio join us june 22nd through the 24th for all the fun and frivolity don't miss a single show To learn how to participate or for more information and scheduling, go to pride48.com.
1: And put on your heels.
0: I guess there's two kinds of ways you can think you're right. You can think you're right defensively and you can think you're right offensively. And when people think they're right defensively, I don't put a lot of stock in it because essentially what they're doing is they're saying, um, I am close-minded to any other idea. I'm terrified to be out there and engaging. I'm going to circle the wagons and entrench my position and I think I'm right and there's a 100 percent vote. When, when there's a vote taken about whether I'm right or not, there's only one person allowed to vote. It's me. I'm right. I win every election. I'm right. Yeah. The offensive idea is to say, no, get out there, you know. Um, make a few first downs, get tackled a few times, score some goals, get called offside, shit happens, get out there, you know, and learn from people. And I find the scriptures so much more rich having met people that I otherwise wouldn't have met. And to me, it, it reinforced my faith in a really powerful way because some of the more important moments of my spiritual growth happened
4: after I'd studied those other things. That, don't would. no that that makes perfect sense to me um i, I mean yeah you, you you know once you can compare and and see that you you are happiest with the the one in which you're you're part of then that's that's just going to reinforce how you've always felt I, I suppose also what would be a factor is how you came upon your religion in the first place
0: yeah and that's that's kind of funny um I was one of those people I think probably at a, around the age of maybe 19, certainly by the age of 16 or 17, could have honestly said that I had an inherited faith, that I went to the churches my parents went to and I followed the course of action that anybody else who was in those churches and becoming a member of those churches would have followed. And just like any other kid in the youth group, there were a lot of Sundays where the only time... The only reason I went was that it was uh, summer day and some of the girls were going to be wearing shorts, or it was a winter's day, and you know this one girl always wore tight sweaters. I mean, the, the reasons weren't always very noble, you know. Um, although there was truth in them, so yeah. you got to take that. Uh, <laughs> but it was really you know, only after I was in college for I mean, I had some 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 some, f- some faith challenging experiences in high school, and then by the end of college, I'd really had some really uh, some really. Im- important moments in my life that happened spiritually. And that was when I sort of t- turned a corner and said, no, I, I own this. Th- this is mine. And, you know, you probably, in my case, I was confirmed as a member of the church um, and did all kinds of stuff that made me fully fledged, you know, part of a congregation, part of the, ch- the church, part of the faith. But it was real for me in a way that was very different by the time I got to the end of my, uh, second senior year in college
4: so what what actually happened for you then to to make you feel that way well i was at odds
0: and i think you know people who know me from simply syndicated some of this is going to sound kind of familiar but i was at odds for many years with members of my family and with members of my my friend clique because i was very comfortable being friends with women that that was just a normal thing for me i I see no gender divide. I don't see a a sexual orientation divide. Uh, I try my best not to see a racial divide. That's you know sometimes that's a little bit tricky depending on where you live and what your experiences have been. And by no one objected to me running in and, in and out of different groups based on race. But in high school, especially when you're you know early in high school. You got to be really careful, I think, as a heterosexual boy about how close and friendly you are with people who are homosexual because you understand, you come to understand pretty quickly the kind of bullying they experience because you get it too. Yeah. So I was aware of that. And a lot of the times, what I would do instead is I'd say, listen, I've experienced a lot of encounters with guys who are my age who are just dicks. I think that's the word for it. Yeah. And, I'd rather spend quality time – if I'm going to share anything personal, if I'm going to share part of my life with somebody, I'd rather share it with somebody I can trust. And throughout high school, most of those relationships that had that kind of trust bond were with women. You know, Now, me and, me and the guys, we'd go out on a Friday night. We'd, we'd have a few drinks. We'd raise some hell. But um, if I was really going to sit down and have a heart-to-heart conversation with somebody, it would be with women. And there were a couple of occasions in high school where that went really well and it felt so normal and natural that I never questioned it. And then my senior year in high school, one of the girls that was in the concert chorus uh, that I was being friendly with sort of asked me why and was really willing to reject the idea that there could be any sort of friendship, platonic friendship between the genders. She, she wanted no part of it. And that created a real crisis for me because I'd never – I don't think I'd felt rejection like that before in my life because if you – if you saunter up to a girl at a keg party and ask her if she wants to go behind the bushes, and she says no, she's not really saying no to you as a person. She's saying no to, you know, playing around behind the bushes. Yeah, yeah, I can accept that. no uh, I'm a person who's capable of getting on just fine by myself. So, I'm not the kind of macho idiot who thinks that the only way you can end a sexual experience is with you have a woman there with you. You. We're all fully equipped with two hands and a good imagination. We're fine. Yeah. you know. But to have somebody who you're not interested in messing around with, that you really just say, hey, I want to get to know you better. We've read some of the same books. I heard your speech, your book report. You heard mine. Let's talk about this. When you get a no to that, that's kind of somebody saying, no, it's really you. I don't want to get to know better. It's a, a fairly full on. It's very harsh. Yeah, yeah, guys don't reject each other that way. You know, I mean, you'd almost rather have somebody call you a dick and 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 take a punch at you than that other sort of situation because there's no real recourse for that. So that set me back and set me reeling. And for many years, I was just very careful and just said, "No, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go back to the gender normative here and just cr- cruise through the college experience with the guys on my gender segregated dorm floor and the three or four guys I moved off campus to an apartment with. And by that point time, I'd met my my uh, wife, my woman, who's now my wife. So, you know, I had the other sort of, you know, romantic side of the ledger taken care of. So, I had plenty of female companionship, and it was my senior year when I actually was suddenly sort of seized by this. Uh, I I consider it to be a somewhat um, paranormal sort of thought that said, "Hey, you've been wrong all these years. You're gonna you're going to meet somebody. It's really important that you you go with it. Risk." Everything. Risk the same rejection you experienced in high school. Risk the scorn and questions from your family. Risk your relationship with your fiance. Risk it. Do it. And I did. And it played out in a way that I won't I won't cover the ground again here. There's a inappropriate conversation called Revelation Weekend that I think tells the story pretty well. It's number eighty, year or so ago, and really just kind of felt like yeah. yeah. Like I heard the Lord talk to me in a way that was so real that I was looking around the room saying, hey, did anybody else hear this? And uh, it wasn't the televangelist kind of nonsense Mm. and it was real and it was genuine. It was me. I told Rick the first time that Rick uh, from – Admiral from Starbase 66, when we met in person uh, and recorded an admiral's table years and years ago. I told him, I said, you know, I literally walked away from that thing saying, I'm looking for a good explanation here, looking for CAT scan results. Is it a tumor? What, what, what happened that can explain that? And it's whether it's 30 years ago, I got no explanation and so far, no tumor. Of course.
4: Um, it it feels as someone who has never experienced anything remotely like that. Hang on. No, I'm lying. Um, Right. I I could say to have heard things that ordinarily there would be no explanation for. But when I think back to what I was doing at the time, I can point very clearly to an explanation. But I, that was not what you experienced. Because yeah, very, we need
0: to. Yeah, to be fair, We need to go back to the, yeah. the beginning of our conversation. I'm <laughs> I'm the guy who's never used an illegal drug. Yeah, and that, that, that thing is very
4: definitely the difference
0: there. Um, and on that, on that, see, that's the thing. I that I wo- I woke up the next morning because this happened fairly late at night. I woke up the next morning thinking, you know what? If only alcohol had been available as an excuse. But even that wasn't true because I was the designated driver that night. I was the that we were going to a party across town where the editor of the college paper was hosting everybody. And, um, I knew that my, my best friend, this woman, intended to drink. And since she was double dating with an, another guy that I knew was, was a drinker, I just said, well, no, I'll, I'll take this. This is going to be an entertaining enough night anyway, just being at the editor's house. I don't feel like I necessarily need it at all. So I got to the next morning where some of the people we'd hung out with were too hungover to answer their phone, and I was sitting there saying, "Man, I don't even have that as an explanation."
4: So I went with it. Fair enough. I. I hmm, what 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 it leaves me kind of thinking is, were I to accept that what happened to you is how you've interpreted what happened to you. Why would that not happen to me? There's a sort of feeling of almost being left out. If that makes any sense, you know, you know, this is because you're you're right. We're coming, you know, assuming that there's God, and and he can talk to whoever he wants at what about whatever he wants whenever he feels like it. He hasn't spoken to me. And I I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. I mean how I how I rationalise that is I don't believe that there is a God to talk to me. And so I, I'm it's not something I'd lose much sleep over the fact that I don't think he's spoken to me. But were, were I sort of maybe more agnostic or, you know, just on the fence about the whole issue. I, I think I'd find that kind of perturbing in a way that he's, he's, you know, just not got anything to say to me. And I, I know I'm not, I, I don't live my life perfectly. I, I'm not right about everything. I, I, I'm not sure about everything that I do and who I am and this sort of thing. I have the same doubts about myself as a person that anyone has, but God's not reassuring me. Um, so, it, yeah, like I say, it kind of leaves you, like, should I feel left out in some way?
0: Yeah, I think this is a good point for me to, to I'm surprised by this. This is the first time I've ever told this particular story or part of it without including some sort of disclaimer. I mean, it almost always starts with me saying I usually don't tell the story. And at some point I'm going to have to stop saying that because I've told it a few times now. But part of the reason I usually don't tell the story is that you know, A, uh, I got no argument for anybody who chooses to disbelieve me. I mean, anybody who didn't know me well, you know, could easily just say, well, hey, we've heard that kind of crap before. But the other thing is, I don't know that it's particularly helpful. So I've got friends in the church who would say, well, dude, you've got a witness. I said, really, you know, this is not a witness that's going to help anybody else. I mean, it's not like anyone else should expect to have a similar sort of experience. So. I understand exactly what you mean by saying, hey, this, this is outside the norm. Therefore, <laughs> in, the, in the wrong hands, this story would be very off-putting because it, it would just be like somebody one-upping themselves, which is why I always speak to it with a great deal of, uh, of hesitation. But I would say this. Everybody has a different role to play in this earth. So even if you bleed all the religion out of it and just sort of talk about human beings and, and the human culture – and sort of replace faith with culture, each one of us has a different role to play. So let's say that there is somebody out there who is not me and who's not you, who hears a story like this and says, you know what? I am going to start listening to this sort of, you know, this inkling that I've got. I'm going to respond to this push I've been getting to do something different, to listen. And if it's if it's the Holy Spirit, so be it, then then there's a christian explanation for it but if it just leads them to do something really good and different in their life that's positive too but you know what that person doesn't hear me if i'm not holding a microphone having this conversation with you yeah and it gets even better i'm not having this conversation with you if i don't have a podcast but i don't have a podcast if it weren't for shows like starbase 66 and movies you should see and or do you think that's just bollocks? And I don't even know, I'm not even aware of those podcasts if it weren't for the forum. So there's very little here that I am doing that on some level couldn't be argued that it's standing on top of the of a foundation laid by Simply Syndicated. Now, that doesn't that doesn't mean I inevitably pick up a microphone and say and share a story and say something. But you know, there's a lot of things that I'm doing because Simply Syndicated showed me that the thing that I had thought about the internet five or six years ago was not necessarily true. That a lot of it's true. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of nonsense. I, I don't I don't play games on Facebook. I've never farmed a Farmville. There's a lot of stuff I just say no to. But I said yes to Simply Syndicated. And uh, so, you know if this story gets heard by somebody I've never met, there's a pretty good chance. Richard Smith had something to do with it. That's very odd to me.
4: I mean, it's, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a nice thing to know that as you say, we all have our place and we all have our role and we influence so many people beyond ourselves, beyond even the people close to us that we directly interact with on a daily basis. And it, and that number of people increases exponentially when you start talking on the internet. You know, the, the, oh, and yeah. and and beyond just you and me, there will be people that we've both had an effect on on some level, who have never contacted us, who will never get in touch with us, and will never know that we did that. But we, it still happened. Yeah, really debating um, in
0: October. I'm going to do a, a comment. Feedback kind of a show, which I do very rarely, and part of the reason I do very rarely is you know every now and then somebody will send me a note and say hey this really had a profound impact on me and and you rarely get feedback for people who for whom your political worldview has helped them out in any way it's usually the spiritual side of it that does it but I always feel like well well hey, am I tooting my horn if I read this person's email um, to what degree should I assume that it was personal between just the two of us but you're right there's People that say, I didn't know I had a listener in that part of the state of Kansas. I don't think I knew I had more than maybe one listener in the entire state of Kansas. When you think about states like, you know, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, I figure I'm just not their cup of tea, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, People uh, from time to time will tell me that I'm a liberal Christian. I I let that happen, but I really feel like I'm more of a moderate than that. But if the country is gone so, if Christianity is skewed so bizarrely right wing, then anybody who's moderate or left is going to be perceived as a raging liberal. You know, that's just the center of Christianity is now very
4: conservative because it's shifted so much. At least the public face of it has shifted so much. Which I must admit is something I find quite sad in a way. Um, I mean, one of the things I've always admired about you is that you use your religion and faith as a reason to be a good person. And, and as you, you've already said in, on this show, you know, if someone is finding re- religion and being good because of it, that's, that's a good thing, isn't it? And it, 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 yeah, yeah. it absolutely is. But there is an element of, I, I think that religion in, in general is something that can be co-opted by people who have very un- dishonorable intentions. And it, it's, you know, it, it you, you can use it. To make a lot of money, to gain a lot of influence and power. And as we've said, that's, that's not what it's there for. But it, it can be used in that way. And it feels to me like the people who have that in mind are the ones who are taking over rather than the people such as yourself. Yeah, the expression
0: I think there is probably lorded over people. People who quite literally want to lord it over other people. Because uh, even the people who don't become famous or make a lot of money, uh, selling a prosperity kind of religion, um, you see a lot of them in churches who are still there because it makes them feel very self-righteously satisfied that they're they're good and other people are bad. And if you went to them and said, "Hey, what if I just grant you that you're good and that other people are good too?" That wouldn't be satisfactory. So then I turn it on its head and say, "Well, here here's the real deal. You're you're bad." And the reality is, even if everyone else you think is bad, is bad too. Guess what? You know, read your Bible. Bible says you're not perfect. If you want to argue with it, go right ahead. But again, bleed the religion out of it. What kind of conversation are we going to have with somebody who thinks they're perfect? You know? Exactly. It's not going to go well. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Uh, I, uh, go ahead. I remember a picture. There's a picture I saw not long ago because I think that a lot of people who are younger than me don't remember what it was like before nineteen. 19- Seventy four, seventy five. I saw a picture from, I think it was 1968, that was, um, and you see lots of these when it comes to race, so it's not unusual, but this one was specifically a church in California that had gathered together its congregation because there was going to be a group of homosexuals who were going to have some sort of social, some mixer, a dance or something, and they had rented a very public place to do it. They'd rented like the local, like the local rec center or something, and they had received threats from some folks who, you know, were going to, you know, intimidate them or whatever. And this church, having heard that, got together and formed a human shield around the facility to protect the, you know, event inside. Now, the event inside was a homosexual mixture. It was a, you know, before we called things a pride party, it was basically a pride party. And I tell that story today and it, I would, sympathize with anybody who was born after 1970 who would look at me and say, I don't believe you. Pixar, it didn't happen, you know, Mm. because it seems so incredible that a church would take that sort of action. And when you read the news accounts, the thing that's really the most alarming about it is that the reporter who's writing the story isn't talking about it like it's weird. It's not making news because it's sensational or odd. It's just, yep. Yeah, by the way, this local church got together and you know formed a shield because some of the people at the party had gotten threats because of their sexual orientation, and that's the story. It's like, wow. But I think if I was still going to the church that I used to go to, and said, "Hey, I'm going to spend this weekend online listening to podcasts that are specifically um, set in and around a pride event in Las Vegas," that I would, I would at least get some some skewed glances. If not some conversation, of course, I would welcome the conversation because it would give me a chance to talk to people about what the New Testament really says. But as it is, I don't see it as weird at all that I have the ability to listen to, you know, a podcast with gay podcasters talking about pride and stuff like that. But that would have been unthinkable in 1968. But in 1968, what wasn't unthinkable was the church standing up and defending people. That wasn't unthinkable at all. And there's numerous other cases where the same thing was being done to protect minorities from you know Ku Klux Klan type folks. But that's just not the church we're – that's not the church
4: we're seeing on TV at the very least. It's certainly not the church that are, are saying things like you know Hurricane Katrina hit uh, New Orleans because of the type of people that live there and blaming other disasters on similar things and, and, and so on and so on. Um, yeah, it, it feels like you know this, this. What you're describing is what religion should be about, and and I'm, by that I mean any of them. And now we're 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 living in a world where it, it's coopted. It, it's it's used as an excuse, and I, I don't think it's right in any way that those people should be grouped together with people such as yourself, because they're they they're not part of what you believe in. They say they are, but I don't think they are. And, and they, they, yeah, would you, they, they, I feel like they're using you in a way. Well, you know, perhaps. Although I think that they're
0: they're much more scornful than that. I don't think they're the. I'm I'm not being made the public face of anything that they're doing. They would view somebody like me as as regrettable. I'm sure. Uh, I think Kieran from Survey Sixty Six has used the word backslider. Is probably how they would view me, but. To me, if, if I could share what Jesus really said and did with any single group of people in the entire world today, it would be those people inside the church calling themselves Christian and leveraging it for their political ends. If you could convert those people to genuine Christianity or failing that, get them to stop using, stop using the terminology, you'd have a huge win. It'd be a much bigger win. And to speak kind of as a Christian, it would be a much bigger win for the kingdom if the people who went to church believed what, what they're supposed to believe. So I wrestle a little bit with this term ally where I never minded if somebody who is part of the gay community views me as an ally or calls me an ally. But I've always resisted using the term because I feel like I need credentials to be on both sides of whatever border anybody wants to draw because the best thing for this group of people that is celebrating pride this weekend, the best thing they can get from me is me staying inside the church and continuing to influence. It doesn't do them much good if I acknowledge the existence of a border and cross it. Yeah. You know, I'm just one more person there to, to sympathize with them. And it doesn't do them – but I also learned this this year that it doesn't do them any good if I stay on the church side of the border all the time either. If I'm serious about not acknowledging a border and trying to move freely on both sides, I need to take that seriously and I need to do it. Yeah. I need to spend time with all of these groups so that I can, again, speak more honestly about saying, hey, you know, there's somebody in this church who has an attitude about homosexuals. Have they ever met one? Can they name them? What's their relationship? Because I've got people that I've got great relationships with, people that I would, I would march to defend And that credibility gap there is you know, your attitude towards somebody you've never met and you've never known and you never will meet and you never will know can't carry much weight compared to the attitude of somebody who knows people. So it will be interesting. I've ramped the stakes up in this church hunt so high that at some point I may actually draw a line in the sand and say – at some point pastors are going to get to know me because I've circulated around enough that they're going to want to talk to me. And one of the things I may say is – do you have any homosexual members? Because if you don't have homosexual members, I'm probably going to keep walking the earth. And if you tell me that you won't ever have a homosexual member of your church, then i never have to walk here again. I'm good. Yeah.
2: I see y'all. Don't forget about the live uh, Pride 48 event, June 22nd through the 24th. All comes a little show from all around the world big fanny will there be cake
3: I found a couple of new shows that I hadn't listened to before Walk the Earth was an amazing show it was an amazing experience with Greg and with Greg with inappropriate conversations Greg and you know this will be the first Pride 48 show that Tank Huffington listens to you know he doesn't even listen to our show but he'll listen to Walk the Earth All right, I'm sorry, guys. I am trying to untangle the microphone here. So, all right, right. well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, George, for your show. Oh, got to be a little closer. Yeah, thank you, George. Um, Everybody, let's give George a big hand if you're out here and listening. So, um, my names my names Jay, by the way. If for those of you who don't know me or haven't met me, um, I'm a listener, and man, the room got quiet all of a sudden. (laughs) um so i am excited to be here this is my first year and i've been listening for close to three years to many of the shows on pride 48 um in fact i was looking this morning and i think i've got 64 podcasts that i follow um i don't know where i find the time but (laughs) i follow some of them better than others so um but I'm just really excited to be here. One of the things that has meant so much to me this year is um, putting faces to the the names or the voices that I hear out there. And somebody's laughing at me because I'm blind, and I'm using words like faces, I think. And <laughs> no, no, Jay,
1: I, I normally show the countdown clock oh, okay.
3: to everybody. I, right. I said, I guess I don't need to show that to you, huh? Okay. <laughs> i I might need an audio cue uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an audio cue, okay, you. thank right. you. <laughs> yeah, you can flash anything you want at me, but I won't see it so <laughs> in fact, there's been lots of kilt lifting going on around here that I totally missed out on, but <laughs> um, anyway um so for those people out there and for the people, especially in the chat room, I think that. If you haven't been here before or have thought about coming, um, I would highly encourage anybody who wants to, um, make the effort, try to make it happen. Um, it's an amazing group of people and I think it's been amazing to meet so many of the podcasters and I've just been incredibly blessed by how, uh, wonderful everybody has been, how loving and accepting, um, I think we've got an incredible group of people, um, so I um, I agreed to this interstitial and wondered how I was going to fill 10 minutes. So um, I was going to talk a little bit about how I came to podcasting. And um, I started listening, like I said, about three years ago and um, came from a very religious sort of backwards community where I grew up gay and um, did not ever come out until... Uh, after I'd been actually married and, um, divorced and, uh, just, it was, it was a really long journey. Um, took me 40 years, um, before I actually came out. And one of the, uh-huh. one of the things that really, really helped me with that journey was beginning to listen to podcasts and as amazing as that is, um, especially, uh, Christianity sometimes gets a bad rap. Um, and I know it really messed messed me up in my life because what I heard in church was um, very, very down on, you know, there's something wrong with you. And I spent most of my life uh, just thinking about how I could change that or if I did something better or if I, um, I don't know, tried to ignore it, somehow it would go away or got married that maybe I would change. And... Of course, none of that worked, um, and <laughs> funny, um, but it, i I spent a lot of time really um, just trying to figure out how I could be perfect in god's eyes, and um, because I didn't want to give up Christianity. It was something I believed in deeply and um, but I just I couldn't figure out how, in my life, oh. I could get to a place where I could ever live or um, sorry. You have oh. six men. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. you up. Just to trying to make right. me nervous, huh? No, <laughs> nervous. Okay. Christina is over your right shoulder. Okay. I was asked to tell you that. Back over that bad. way somewhere. Right. Okay. Right. I'll just. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, so I I spent a lot of time trying to resolve some of these issues, and one of the things and one of the reasons it's so meaningful to be here is to meet the ladies from Greetings from Nowhere. Um. One of the podcasts I started listening to... First, I started listening to Cocktails and Cream Puffs. And that's a little lighter show sometimes, but they also go a little deeper into issues. Um, But they mentioned Greetings from Nowhere on their show. And I thought, oh, this will be an interesting one. We've got um, people with totally different perspectives and um, who are good friends. And I thought, well, how is that going to work? Somebody who's Christian and they might actually be supportive of the LGBT community. And I started listening and was just amazed by this woman named Nicole, who I had never met or communicated with, but just by what she talked about, how she shared um, her beliefs, and how true that all seemed to me and how that resonated. And I thought, wow, I've never heard a Christian perspective like that. And since I've heard others, like I love listening to Secretly Timid and Nan, um, I think she's an incredible representative, too, of being a Christian and actually living out that belief. And I know Christianity doesn't, um, you know, isn't everybody's thing. It just, you know, for me, it it's always been right. For me, it's always been something that's very meaningful and that I hold deeply dear. Um, so listening to this podcast and these interactions, I think, over the years, has just um, really brought me a long ways to where I could resolve kind of my own feelings and beliefs with, um, who I am as a person. And, um, I think it's amazing and I'm feeling really nervous here. So, <laughs> um,
1: you're okay. And thank you. You're doing great. <laughs> just below four minutes.
3: Okay. Um, Jay, so so Di Plus is your favorite um, oh, oh, my gosh, right? <laughs> oh, shut up! Shut up! Know what I was going to tell for the people at home that can't see, Jay? Uh, you are wearing a Greetings from Nowhere T-shirt. I am a Greetings mm-hmm. from Nowhere baseball cap. I am. You are decked at, Your dog is wearing a Greetings from Nowhere uh, sweater vest. It looks like um, my dog will never be caught dead in a sweater vest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gay, but not that gay. <laughs> All right. The, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The the greetings from nowhere cast wants you to. I just wanted to to uh, ask for those of you who were here oh okay yeah oh look at the back of the shirt there exactly for those of you who are here for greens from nowhere they really love it if you shout out at them without talking to the microphone so that it will not be on their podcast (laughs) it's called it's called the christina move for those those of you who are in the chat room they had me turn around to see the back of the shirt which um says minion army number 16 so because i've been one of their minions for a while and um For those of you who don't know or haven't listened to their show before, um, which I would imagine everybody does, right? So. (laughs) I know, I know, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, no, I, I think we all know we can't listen to every show. So there's some amazing shows out there, but there's only so many hours in the day. Um, and I do run out of time occasionally, so I have to skip a show or two. Um, but, uh, the, the Minion Army you can join just by emailing in and the ladies will go over your, written responses, you can either email or you can fill out their uh, their application, which I'm forgetting who came up with the application. So, uh, do you guys know? Hey,
1: Country West is Michael. here and has a question for you. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay, I'm, Michael. That's right. One of the minions came up with a great application. Okay, so, Wes, you had a question? I was just going to say that we have all really been thankful <laughs> that you and Tula have been here this weekend. I mean, it's been very comforting to uh, have both of you. <laughs> yeah. yep. uh, Thank you, guys. And Beth. Oh, yeah. We can't forget Beth. I have a I have a really good friend and roommate, somebody I met who I work with, and um, she came with me to help out and just to be supportive because I didn't know coming here how this would all work out or how I would feel about all the crowd, and it's been amazing. I feel like I've made a whole bunch of new friends, and everybody's been friendly. Um, Some of the – yeah, you guys are a great group, so I think people should clap. (laughs) So um, this is a – a great family, I think, of people. Yeah. Pride
2: there are people out there who are yeah. entering Dominic. the arena and making their voice heard. Yeah. It's,
3: it's the Pride Forty Eight Live, June of weekend.
1: June twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. All your favorite little shoes. You figure lesbians 1% of the population, homosexuals 2% of the population. Big That's fatty. all. But they have dominated, dominated Pride 48's live streaming event. Good. June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Visit Pride48.com for the schedule and all the latest
0: information. That's all. Yeah.
1: Big ready. Yeah.
0: Our different drummer this week is the artist. Claude Monet. And frankly, while keeping this tight, because I've got a lot of other material that's uh, already occupied a lot of the show, this will be a long episode because it's a clip show in many ways. But I do want to spend a little bit of time Focusing on the Wikipedia page, because in many ways, this is one of the better Wikipedia pages. Because of the, the nature of visual art, a Wikipedia page for an artist like Monet would be extremely disappointing if it didn't include images of paintings and other of Monet's work. With uh, dialogue and biography surrounding that, in this case, Wikipedia has done an excellent job. The intro itself reads like this. Monet lived from 1840 to 1926. He was a founder of French Impressionist painting, and the most consistent and prolific practitioner of the movement's philosophy of expressing one's perceptions before nature, especially as applied to outdoor landscape painting. The term Impressionism is derived from the title of his painting, Impression Sunrise, which was exhibited in 1874 in the first of the independent exhibitions mounted by Monet and his associates as an alternative to the Salon de Paris. Monet's ambition of documenting the French countryside led him to adopt a method of painting the same scene many times in order to capture the changing light and the passing of the seasons. From 1883, Monet lived in Giverny, where he purchased a house and property and began a vast landscaping project, which included lily ponds, that would become the subject of his best-known works. In 1899, he began painting the water lilies, first in vertical views with a Japanese bridge as a central feature, And later, in the series of large-scale paintings that was to occupy him continuously for the next 20 years of his life. I suspect most people, when they hear the name Claude Monet, if they're aware of art, visual art, painting in particular, conjure up images like these landscapes and water lilies. And there isn't really a great connection to the topic of, of trying to create a podcast montage and great impressionist painter, but... I did want to find a spot somewhere, somehow, for Monet and his work, and to call attention to, again, a really great example of what a Wikipedia page can do. And this seemed as good as any, as pulling together a juxtaposition of colors in small and, um, in some ways, incongruous touches, creating an image from things which, up close, might not seem to be actually particularly naturalistic or realistic. I've always admired the work of Monet. He's probably my wife's favorite artist because of the ability to use, to create somewhat realistic settings through the Impressionist style, which is in its own nature not surrealistic, but not particularly realistic either. Our different drummer this week, Claude Monet.
2: like a mixtape and everybody knows that mixtapes mean i love you
5: hello and welcome to books you should read presented by simply syndicated my name's alison downing today i'm going to be reading a review from gregs he's chosen the non-fiction book the dame in the kimono while this examination of hollywood and censorship has been republished at least as recently as 2001 i'll be discussing the original 1990 publication the distinction may be important since the recent edition is 60 pages longer. The Dame in the Kimono was written by Leonard J. Leff and Gerald L. Simmons. At the time of their collaboration, both were university professors working in the American Midwest, Leff teaching film history and screenwriting at Oklahoma State University, and Simmons teaching American Constitutional History at the University of Nebraska in Omaha. Their academic interests make the perfect combination for an examination of the motion picture production code and the errors of Hollywood, before, during and after. This book has a great deal of rewards for anyone who is interested in film as art. Yes, the focus is squarely on the United States and mostly Hollywood. It would be impossible to deny the influence of America's film industry has had upon the world. Leff and Simmons reveal how world cinema changed Hollywood as well. Let's not begin in the middle, though. Before I'd read The Dame in the Kimono, I was familiar with the motion picture production code, or simply the code, as little more than a concept. Movies made back in the day couldn't show X or Y or Z because of the code. That's quite an oversimplification. It's a confusing one as well when you see film clips of Mae West asking men questions like, is that a gun in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? West's risque dialogue from She'd Done Him Wrong came in 1933 After the Code, but early in its enforcement. We may view her as quaint and as the films as old-fashioned today. This book documents how popular and influential she was. Although the Code was adopted two years before her film debut, enforcement of the rules in those early years has everything to do with making sure customers would come up to see her sometime while stopping the outgoing star from being so bad she's better than good on screen. Most people know very little about the pre-code years. I hadn't known that Hollywood filmed two versions of the Maltese Falcon about a decade apart. The earlier pre-code and lesser-known film includes a line that gives this book its title. A woman who walks in on Sam Spade with another lover in his bedroom asks him, Who is that dame wearing my kimono? Spade wasn't the only one who found this question troubling. The Roman Catholic Church answered with its legion of decency, and the US Congress renewed debate about censoring the moving pictures. Leff and Simmons follow the story through both Hollywood and the government. This intersection centred on men who stood in the way of both. Will Hayes and Joseph Breen took on a task of telling Hollywood no, so the government wouldn't have to. The thankless job would later falter Jack Valenti and the rating system we have today. In fact, watching the documentary, This Film Is Not Yet Rated, feels like the rest of the story after reading this book. The Dame in the Kimono is not a film buff fan book. Carefully researched and well documented, it is closest to being a supplemental university text. Objective in its presentation, the book does not seek to be an expose. That approach better describes This Film Is Not Yet Rated, a fact that both helped and hurt the movie. Instead, Leif and Simmons focus on the work of Hayes, Breen and the Code itself. Although the book doesn't read like Mr. Skin does the classics, the authors document several examples with Jane Russell alone, where the Code called for costume changes. One letter from Breen to Hayes refers to her breasts as large, prominent and shockingly emphasised in footage he'd seen. Actually, the emphasis may be on the rules of the men who enforce them, but the films do provide the backbone for the storytelling. Most chapters focus on a particular film and its impact on enforcement. Even for viewers who prefer new movies to classics, there is no denying the credibility and influence of the films the authors use. Gone with the Wind, The Bicycle Thief, A Streetcar Named Desire, Lolita and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf provide some of the key historic moments. From that short list only who's afraid of virginia wolf was made during my lifetime but then the code was being replaced by an earlier version of our current system i was amazed at how much influence the earlier films have upon even today's screenplays the line between american film ratings like pg pg 13 and r seems at times perhaps unintentionally to be driven by old rules about careful limits of good taste and respect for government and religion I'm not sure the Motion Picture Association of America understood at the outset how adults without children use the rating system. Rather than working solely to keep adult content out of films, many examples have shown that language, sex and violence have been added to films that were going to be rated R anyway. Surely even parents have a similar ritual on nights out without the kids, telling themselves that almost doesn't matter what they watch as long as it is rated R or, at the very least, not G-rated Disney fare. Film critic Stanley Kaufman predicted from the start that ratings would impact adults as much as kids. In his New York Times review of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf on June 24, 1966, he wrote, In its forthright dealing with a play... This becomes one of the most scathingly honest American films ever made. Its advertisements say no one under 18 will be admitted unless accompanied by his parent. This may safeguard the children. The parents must take their chances. I'd say we've been eagerly taking our chances with these restricted movies ever since. Even when ratings are not in question, the inspiration behind the old code may impact modern audiences in ways we'd never expect. I believe the motion picture production code can be used to explain the polarised reactions of to audiences to No Country for Old Men. To simplify a bit, some people felt let down or even betrayed by the conclusion to the 2008 Best Picture Win. They were denied a couple of things. The code would have guaranteed them a final confrontation between good and evil, although surely bloodier today than in the past, and absolutely no benign surrender by the hero To the way things are. No Country for Old Men is just the latest movie to challenge those guidelines. The Dame in the Kimono documents many others. It's a fascinating history that helps us to understand why the old movies are so confined in their storytelling. At the same time, Leff and Simmons show the points of resistance. International directors like Otto Preminger push boundaries from within. Foreign films like The Bicycle Thief established an alternative market for distributors that stopped the code's defenders from controlling exhibition. The 1990 edition of this book covers the 1980s partially, with references to Steven Spielberg's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Albert Brooks's Lost in America. Even after its demise, the influence of the code didn't stop with the call for PG-13 rating in the States. As the authors of this book note, Every time there is an argument in Hollywood over the number of times a certain word is used. Every time a studio releases an unrated version or a director's cut on DVD. Every time an audience is divided over a movie because films aren't supposed to give a dim view of priests or presidents. That dame in the kimono lurking in the shadows of a man's bedroom and temporarily wearing another woman's robe cracks an knowing Grin.
0: There are several reasons why I wanted to share Allison Downing's presentation of the Books You Should Read episode that I wrote before I was ever in a position to record any podcast for the book The Dame in the Kimono. One of those reasons was that in the original writing of that essay, I tried to keep it clean and I left out one of my favorite anecdotes near the end of the original edition of the book while talking about the movie Lost in America and dealing with the creation of the PG-13 rating. One of the stories that Leff uses is from the um, Albert Brooks' Lost in America uh, movie itself. Interviews supporting the movie and and information about the movie. And In one uh, attempt of explaining, Brooks was trying to say why words themselves aren't necessarily the issue. And that a word like fuck doesn't necessarily get you straight to an R rating. And he painted this picture by saying... It's a very different thing to for one character to look at another character, perhaps raising a fist and saying, I am going to fuck you over. It's a different thing for a character to look at another character and say, I'm going to fuck you over this desk. One of those is going to get the higher, harsher ratings limitation in America, and it's You know, one of the problems in America, in my opinion, is that we're far more concerned about sexuality than we are about violence. So I wanted to tell that story because I knew this episode would have an explicit language tag. But the other reason I wanted to tell it was I feel like that entire Books You Should Read episode and the essay behind it is somewhat foundational toward the next Walk the Earth that I intend to record. I think the next podcast will show up on the feed at inappropriateconversations.org will be A Walk the Earth, Walk the Earth 51. And the topic is built around another film essay that I wrote, and a film essay that I wrote, again, like 10 years ago, around the same time that this Books You Should Read episode was written. And the question is this, whether the film No Country for Old Men presents a theological perspective. This may not be what I would have thought the next question would have been in the month of March when I recorded The Last Walk the Earth, But as I hinted at the end of that episode, with that much time going by, planned duration between that recording and whatever the next recording would be, there was always a really good chance that some new topic would insinuate itself. And in the process of putting this together, I not only found uh, audio clips, which I've shared throughout the show, I found this written essay that I don't believe I've shared anywhere else. It hasn't appeared in any sort of audio blog for me, and I think I've only probably I haven't put it as a blog on my website. I think short of handing it person to person to a couple of friends, it hasn't been shared before. Now, a lot of years have gone by, but I think the point of view and the perspective is just as valid now as it was then. And we'll hit that next on the next Walk the Earth episode. Greetings from the cockpit. This is Captain Scott, and we'd like to thank
1: you for flying the Sphere.
2: This is co-pilot Cindy. We ask you at this time to unfasten your safety belt and release your chairs from their uptight position. We're high-flying with stopovers expected in theater, gaming, movies, television, and other mature destinations.
1: We'd like to thank you for flying the frisky skies. And we hope to see you on our next flight to the Seder Sphere.
5: All sizzle, no flaming.
2: Kind of wind this down because Sater is already going to get on me for having an hour and a half show. I can tell you that right out, out the bat.
0: <laughs> you well, know, my uh, my nickname at Simply Syndicated is Gab. Yes, and I just I live up to my nickname on a regular basis.
2: By the way, that was a fun little bonding moment for me that I don't even think you know I had. We had was I've been a fan of Simply Syndicated for a very long time. I started with movies you should see, and then um, and then a super happy fun time. And all sorts of, so I've been listening to Richard and Allison and that whole crew, like before Patty moved to, to Canada. And, uh, I can't believe I remember all these names. Um, so when you, you know, it was like, I, you were started talking about simply syndicated and masters of none and all, you know, and all, I was like, I know these things.
0: See, I expect that before very many weeks go by, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be sitting in a bar. In Leeds, England, having beers with Richard and with Allison, I hope with Will and Gloria, certainly with Shane and Jonathan, um, it's going. In fact, now I'm beginning. I'm at to the point now where I'm taking that so for granted. I'm beginning to to regret the ones who can't make it because they're too far away.
2: My jealousy knows no bounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. I would love. Ugh, oh. it's going to be unbelievable.
2: Well, Allison is my hero. Like. She's a wonderfully amazing and incredibly intelligent woman. So I love listening to Allison. Richard Richard what? is hilarious, but I love listening to Allison. She's just this – I don't know. So.
0: There's Tell something really high. wonderful when somebody who is an avowed atheist can broaden my understanding of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would describe Allison. Yeah. Because she's worked in a field that represents the right – kind of Jesus perspective mm-hmm. reaching people who are lost, keeping people alive. Yeah. Um, that's that sort of approach that um, I, I I can use that now as a litmus test in any small group gathering I'm in. If they don't understand how the model of harm reduction in Europe translates into what Jesus taught, mm-hmm. then I know I'm in the wrong crowd.
2: Got it. Nice. You know?
0: And and that's just that's brilliant because it's something where the combination of her experience and my experience brings that out. With just one of us and not the other one of us, that analogy doesn't happen.
2: Right. No, I so. – sorry. I'm just – I'm so jealous right now that I just – I want to tell you to just, just tell them hi for me, but they have no idea who I am. So, you know, but I just – I've been listening to them for ages, years. It's been years. They were one of the – they were the first non-Pride 48 – group that I listened to and, and I found, I, I, I got into pride 48 because one of the first shows I ever downloaded and became a fan of just happened to do a pride 48 live show, like the first year. And so that's how I found them. But simply syndicated, I found before it even became the simply syndicated network. I was listening to movies you should you should see and God, and they took a big break for a long time. Yep, from that show, and and then uh, there was the word show. Oh,
0: the definitive word. The
2: definitive word. I loved that one. And then Super Happy Fun Time came around, and then it just sort of snowballed from there. You know, it was like, oh, now they're going to do this one, and now they're doing this one, and now they're doing
1: this one.
0: As I make this transition from a pitch for simply syndicated.com and pride48.com and podcasts that I've had the pleasure of participating in in one way or another over the years, I want to throw another kind of generic sort of promotion in the direction of the Seder Sphere. Now, Seder Sphere podcast, having returned from its own hiatus, is enabled me to continue using their promo, which is great. I like having promos, I like having a variety of promos. And that variety has been really challenged lately as more and more shows have either pod faded completely or gone on some sort of hiatus, which puts me in possession of an audio clip promoting a show that isn't really an active concern anymore. So I'm glad that the Sphere is back. But in the most recent episode of that podcast that I listened to, Scott the Satyr couldn't seem to find his podcast pimp-out bumper. And for a show that is built and depends in many ways very heavily on its bumpers, I found that to be a little concerning. Now... The solution I'm about to offer is nowhere near as good as Scott actually finding his own audio file and getting it back into the rotation. But I thought I would go back to one of the recent, well, relatively recent episodes, where I knew that that bumper had been used and put it in. Again, both to provide a uh, shout-out to the Satyr Sphere and maybe give Scott access to an audio file he can take for himself, his own file, by the way, And also to give me a segue into the outro that I'm going to use on this particular show, which will, like so much of the rest of the material, come from someone else's podcast. I'll let my outro in the two Greetings from Nowhere episodes I participated in be the outro for this episode of Inappropriate Conversations.
2: No. This is Christina and Nicole from, from greetings, greetings from Nowhere.
0: This is Curtis. This is Brian. And we're the Game Night Guys.
2: Hi, I'm Bay, And I'm Amy from, from the, the to Glitz, Glitz, to Glitz podcast. podcast. This is Jen right, from the Shattered Soulstone Podcast.
3: This is the Laughing Buddha from the Scooter movie. Diaries Podcast. Radio this is Greg out. from the
0: Inappropriate All Conversations and Walk the Earth Podcast.
3: This is Scotty
1: from the Little Aussie Battler Podcast.
3: It's Mark. It's Ed. And that makes a me. From It's All About Me Podcast. This is Tart and Smelly. And Fancy From the, the Smellcast. This is Tom from the Ramble Redhead Podcast. Still you.
5: Hello, lovies.
4: <laughs> Queen has... <laughs> Are you
1: done, old man? You're gonna fall down and break your hip. Poor uh, McGrady. Queen has authorized us to use their song. Oh, good! Because we are not a fag-hating fuckard. Just want to say that for the record.
2: That's a great name for a podcast, though. So.
1: Fag-hating fuckard. Star: Joey Boo Hector.
0: The two podcasts are inappropriate conversations. The goal of that one is to intentionally blend together politics, religion, sex, pop culture um, to blur the lines. Occasionally there's an explicit language tag and um, usually that's because the subject matter takes me there. Walk the Earth is a podcast about what it means to change churches and even denominations and by its nature that one's never going to have an explicit language tag I'm sure. How do you
2: (laughs) Talk, ex- well, I don't, you know what? No, because Nicole has quoted some things to me where I'm like, that just sounds dirty.
0: So oh, it's, I, it's hard to keep a straight face. I, I, I had to, at one of the re- recent shows, I had to talk about the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I actually thought of, of previous Greetings from Nowhere conversations that, you know, yeah. Yes, I, may
2: you be filled with the light of the Holy. Meanwhile, I'm giggling, going, <laughs> I'm 12, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So at some point, Walk the Earth is going to end. I don't have a forecast for when that'll be yet, but um, I don't expect it to be much past Easter Sunday before we decide to join this church we've been visiting. So the the core mission of finding a new church has happened, Mm -hmm. but there may still be some topics to talk about as that transition takes place. I'm not sure what it's like to be a new member. Of a church. Well, and, I haven't done that in 15 years.
2: Well, and for people who are interested, if the idea of walk, to, walk the earth and the concept is interesting to you, whether you're a person of faith or not, I would highly recommend going back to the first walk the earth and then listening to them in order because you hear the entire process and all, you know, you don't get specific about talking down about certain churches, but you do get to the point where you're like, okay, well, we tried this and, but no. And, you know, you get to hear the whole process of how... This is something I've never had to do, but how you would find a new place of worship that fits you and fits your view of community and your view, you know, and, and your faith, um, because there's a lot of different groups out there, even within the same arm of Christianity or the same denomination of Christianity that you're in. There are some really like you go the gamut from these are really nice people, but not quite our cup of tea to holy cow, they're cuckoo magoo. You don't use that wording, but you you definitely saw kind of a a wide swath of different types.
0: Yeah, I I think we're down to just one other church that we need to visit that we haven't. And they weren't on our original list. They're non-denominational. And I told myself I had no interest in being part of a non denominational church because I prefer knowing who my pastor's boss is. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when my pastor's boss is just three people who've been at this church forever. got it you know and um but some of the people who we we liked from our old church have gone to this new one, and they didn't start there. Mm-hmm. they went somewhere else first and then they left another joining this other one and mm-hmm. I told myself that everybody who's part of my small group, everyone who was part of my former Sunday school. If they went to a church, we would visit it. Oh,
1: that's so, nice. So that's I, have, nice.
0: I have one more to go. And it means that we can talk with each other because we still meet every other Friday and just kind of talk through how's it going. Because instead of meeting every Sunday morning like we used to, these are people that I only see you know, half as often.
2: You have to actively make, an, make time to spend with them now because you're not guaranteed to see them Sunday morning when you walk into church. So it's now making yeah, time you, for your friend rather than just, oh, I will see them at church.
0: Yeah, and it gives us a chance to kind of share the things that are different. The church we're going to now is meeting in a, in a recreational center. They're meeting in essentially a, a workout place.
2: Yeah, you posted a picture on Sunday, Sunday morning, about the group, yeah. and they look like nice people. I was looking, I was like, oh, that looks like my aunt, <laughs> you know, because like, I'm always interested in people from other areas I've never visited, you know.
0: And here's what's funny. These people are, uh, their denomination is about baptism by immersion. Mm-hmm. So instead of being sprinkled with water, they're, they get dunked, dunked. And, and brought out. Mm-hmm. But because of where they're meeting, they're currently meeting at a place that's an exercise facility. The, uh, the exercise place has told them that they're more than welcome to use the heated therapy pool for baptisms. So <laughs> sometime around Easter Sunday, uh, maybe not the Sunday morning worship, but sometime around there, We'll we'll be heading out to the pool.
2: Oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. I'm going to church. Why do you have your swim chunks on? It's <laughs> baptism day. You know. It's
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Oh no,
1: really? Oh.
0: Well, because it's the gym. This the other benefit is, you know, I don't get enough exercise. I know I do. <laughs> so we go to church. We work out. We shower, we change clothes, and then we go to the worship service. <laughs> yeah. So you know, to me, uh, you know, swimming afterward is just one more layer, right? Of course,
2: because you're in there. You might as well get your laps in. I can't believe that. That's funny. <laughs> that is a church I might be able to get Bob to if I told him he could get his laps in for the day.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. that's
2: just good, Greg. Thank you for that. <laughs>
0: Um, and that's what happens when you're willing to get out of your comfort zone and say, hey, <laughs> what else is going on in this you, community besides the thing I've done for 15 years?
2: Guys, everybody out there, listen. There is church where you can go in the pool. <laughs> I didn't know this. This is totally new for me. Um, I would say that on that happy note, I think we'll call it for the evening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. To- oh, do you have more information or is it all just at inappropriateconversations.org? www.
0: The most important thing for me is I've kept it simple. Everything right. I do is org. Excellent. And the dog showed up. I
2: hear. Also,
0: Hi, you know, Facebook, there's a page for Walk the Earth, a page for Inappropriate yes. Conversations. Like them all. And on Twitter, I'm uh, at IC underscore Greg.
2: Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. I totally spaced the Twitter thing, and I shouldn't because that's where I see a lot of your stuff. Um, I would... Definitely love to have you back sometime when Nicole is on. Would you be interested in joining us again sometime?
0: It only seems fair, right?
2: (laughs) Well, I know when I told Nicole last week off air that, hey, guess who my co-host is next week? She was a little bit jealous. I will tell you, she was, she was like, no, I want to be there. And I was like, sorry, sucker, you asked for the night off. (laughs) That was kind of how I put it too. She was like, what? I was like, we'll have him back. We'll have him back.
3: part of the Pride48 network. Find more shows over at pride48.com.